Hi, this is Melissa Wood Tepperberg, and this is the Move with Heart podcast. Are you ready? <laughs> Just breathe it all in. I want to talk. I can't lie. <laughs> I was like, it's going to be short, sweet, and very spicy. And we're going to get right into it because apparently some of you think I talk too much. <laughs> My next guest needs no introduction, but I will say that this was a pure manifestation moment come to life. Deepak Chopra is the founder of the Chopra Foundation, a nonprofit entity for research on well-being and humanitarianism, and Chopra Global, a modern-day help company at the intersection of science and spirituality. He is the author of over 95 books, you guys, translated into over 43 languages, including numerous New York Times bestsellers. Time Magazine has described Dr. Chopra as one of their top 100 most influential people. We dive in on so many deep topics in this episode, and one thing that I am walking away from this episode knowing is that I want to continue to just tap in more into my joy and all of the things that just make me feel alive with less gripping and less force in my life. Deepak, it's an absolute honor to have you here. You have been a part of my meditation journey for over 15 years, and it is... Yeah, but since you were five. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm older than that. Okay. But you and your practices are what taught me to no longer look outside of myself mm. for all of the answers. Mm-hmm. And at the lowest point in my life is when I turn to meditation. And it has completely changed me. It's changed every single thing about me. It's opened my eyes to who I am, to the world in such a profound, beautiful way. And I would love to know from you, for someone who's been meditating for 15 years, how you would guide someone to dive deeper into their practice. Yeah, well, there are several levels of meditation and several byproducts of it, let's say, or side effects or (laughs) whatever consequences of it. Meditation attempts to go beyond all systems of thought. So science is a system of thought. Philosophy is a system of thought. Religion is a system of thought. Theology is a system of thought. And no system of thought can give us access to the source of thought. No system of thought can do that. No religion, no theology, no philosophy, no science. So that's the first thing I have to understand. So it is a process that either goes through and transcends thought or it sidetracks thought. So simplest thing that these days is very popular is called uh, mindfulness. But even there, there's a lot of confusion about mindfulness. I think the simplest definition of mindfulness is to actively notice any experience that is happening 
mm-hmm. in the moment. Any experience. So you could, you know, write down, actively notice what I'm saying. That's mindfulness. And that would be the easiest thing to do, right? If you're in uh, Times Square, you could focus on all the sounds there. So there's there's sound available no matter where you go. Mm. And you can use sound to find the source of sound, which is silence. So you start with something very simple, and then you can take that exercise that I just said, actively notice one experience, maybe go through all the five senses, sound, touch, sight, taste, smell. But then even in there, you can subdivide. You know, when you say sight, all we see is colors and shapes, so innumerable colors to focus on. So that part of meditation, which we call mindfulness now, is actually in yoga, it's called dharna, focused awareness. So that focused awareness in the beginning can be things which we think are physical, like the body, the breath, although even all that is not physical, but it appears physical. So you focus on things you think that are physical, the five senses, the body, the musculoskeletal system. You can go become aware of what's happening inside your body, your breath, your heart, your mental space, the web of relationships, and ultimately transcend to the source of all that. So it requires reflection. Who am I? What do I want? What's my purpose? Gratitude. But you can do any kind of reflective inquiry. Why do we exist? And you don't need to actually know the answer. You just need to live the question, and that's meditation. And then whatever you receive is always in the form of a sensation, image, feeling, thought, and you don't even analyze that. You just are aware of that and ultimately become aware of being aware. So there's levels, metacognition, then there's meditation on death, there's meditation on the afterlife, there's meditation on the nature of reality. I could go on forever. (laughs) Good, we want you to. What do you have to say for those who believe they cannot meditate because their minds are too busy or it doesn't work for them? They probably need it more than anyone else because <laughs> if they say my mind is too busy, it means they're stressed, right? Right. And uh, that's the definition of stress, a busy mind. And if somebody says I don't have the time, they're the ones who need it more because they're so busy doing what they're doing that they miss out on life. Mm-hmm. I mean, there. You know, I meet a lot of entrepreneurs. They're talking about this exit, that exit. They never think of their last exit, which is called death. I think the most interesting meditations are on the impermanence of existence and the mystery of death. And people are so bamboozled by the hypnosis of social conditioning that they go through an entire lifetime as if asleep. Hmm. I know. It's definitely the one thing I think meditating for all these years has just cracked open my self-awareness to see that reflection in others and and with no judgment, just to become so self-aware mm-hmm. of how so many people are not aware yeah. of how they're showing you up. New York City and you see everybody's a biological robot, mm-hmm. you know, rushing to, I don't know what, <laughs> but, you know, they're always rushing to somewhere. 
never finding themselves, yeah. Mm -hmm. What does your practice look like when you wake up in the morning? Well, I wake up usually at four, sometimes even earlier. It depends on what time I sleep. I do get eight hours of sleep and do about three hours of yoga, breathing, and meditation. And then the rest of the day, I don't. I do whatever needs to be done. Did you say three hours? Yeah, but okay. I don't get done with my morning rituals till about 11. So it's more than three hours, five hours. Mm. And then I usually don't work after five. And then I meditate um, before I sleep, whether it's eight o'clock, nine o'clock, 10 o'clock, whatever. That's so interesting because I... Like my practice is like my gold and I have learned the busier I've become mm. and the more that I have more people to manage in my life, my children, my family, my team, I hold my practice even more sacred mm. and have carved out. I always say you have to carve out and create the space. It's The space mm. isn't just going to come. You have to... Mm -hmm truly put your your focus on that so carving out this time has like it's just made me be able to handle more mm -hmm. of everything that's on my plate and it's almost something not that I've ever felt guilty of but I bought some hours off and it's seen by many people as like almost too much well, we have a society that believes that we exist because we have to work. <laughs> That's the meaning of existence is work. It's the only species. I think we're an insane species, but we're also very creative. So that goes with the territory. I've always wondered as someone like yourself, you are the author of 95 books, I believe, that have been translated into 43 different languages. And I know the seven spiritual laws of success is something that's lived on my bedstand. I've read it mm -hmm. numerous times. At this point in your life, have you evolved from any of the philosophies that you've written in your books over the years? They've only kind of had more clarity, I think, um, to the point where I believe that philosophy doesn't work. Mm -hmm. So, only experience does. So, sometimes you get so surrounded by so-called wisdom, that a so-called knowledge that it interferes with your wisdom. So, I'm trying to get rid of some of the knowledge I've accumulated. That's so interesting, hearing that from you. You recently shared a video on YouTube about how you believe God did not create the universe. And I will be honest with you, I had to watch it a few times to really comprehend what you were saying. And for anyone out there, no matter what religion they practice, like how is this philosophy in your perspective something we could all learn from? This is a very complicated question and the video was a little bit intentionally provocative, that God did not create the universe. See, our ideas about creation and God keep, in a sense, evolving. But ultimately, we have to ask ourselves, what do we mean by this term, God? 
you know, if you look at um, human history, deep history, up until 40,000 years ago, there were eight different kinds of human beings, eight different uh, species of humans, but one family, we call them hominids. So just like you have a cat family that includes cats, tigers, panthers, cheetahs, etc., you had the human family, the big genus, and then different species, Homo sapiens is what we call ourselves. Mm -hmm. And there were other human species like Floroensis, Neanderthals, Homo erectus, etc. And like other animals, because we are an animal, we had a language for just three things, mating, food, and danger because all these three things are essential for survival. Mating for the survival of the species, food, and and every animal has these calls. Food calls, mating calls, and uh, danger calls. Then one species, us, Homo sapiens, which is a name we gave ourselves. It means the wise ones. So we were humble enough to give ourselves that name. And we gave other species names. We created a language which was about stories. There's no other species that tells stories, okay? Only we do. And there's a saying in anthropology, to be human is to have a story. So the first stories were still the most common stories, gossip, who's sleeping with whom, who's, you know, can be trusted, who betrayed whom, etc., etc. Those are still the most common stories. But then we created other stories, money. There was no such thing. So, you know, I'll cook you an omelette and you can cut my hair. I'm just saying, you know, as a metaphor. But that became inconvenient. So we had shells and paper coins. Now we have digits, digital money and Wall Street and exchange. And we forget that some this is a human construct. We created it just like we created latitude, longitude, Greenwich Mean Time. And then we started to wonder about our existence. So we created a concept called God. It's a human concept. You know, I don't think a peacock thinks about God or a dolphin thinks about God. We created that idea in order to address the mystery of our existence. And so that was, God was usually visualized or imagined as a dead white male somewhere in the sky. But there's no dead white male in the sky. We know that now we looked everywhere. <laughs> you know, we can't find any dead white males. So that idea of God is very medieval, but many people still have that idea of God. And then there were other ideas, you know, some kind of deity, dakinis, uh, goddesses, etc. All human concepts in the same way as latitude or longitude or Wall Street or Greenwich Mean Time. I mean, it's not Bangladesh Mean Time, just part of our colonial history. We created all this and then we embedded ourselves into this whole idea and we created religion, a system of thought. And we think it's true because we forgot that we created this idea. I have been using Actinacre products for five years. I started using them when I was newly postpartum after having Eleanor and I suffered from a lot of hair loss, but also just the texture of my hair changed and it was extremely dry. 
The beauty about Actin Acre is that they target the basis of all hair growth and the scalp to support and influence hair wellness with effective, clean, very important. This is a clean, non-toxic product that is made with impactful formulations. And they are also better for the environment. They have a refill package that you can purchase and just continue to refill your jar. My diehard products for them, and I will just tell you that I love all of their products and they just continue coming out with more and more and they're all just so incredible. But my like OG products are the scalp detox treatment. If you are not taking care of your scalp health, I'm telling you That is the game changer that helps with hair growth, with hair volume, and with hydrating your hair. I use the cold press shampoo and the cold press conditioner. I'm an every other day girl. That's what works best for me. And your hair just feels like you feel like you're using clean, non-toxic products. My hair is stronger now than it ever was in my 20s. And I, without a doubt, credit my commitment to using Actinacre for all of these years. You can go to their site to take their two-minute scalp quiz to find out what type of scalp you have and which products work best for you. Whether your hair is thinning, if you have dandruff, flakes, oily scalp, or itchy scalp, You'll receive a personalized report with recommendations on how to care for your hair and scalp. You can go to actinacre.com and use code MelissaWood20 for 20% off your order. This has been my secret weapon for years. People are always asking me what products I use and I am a diehard Actinacre user. So I'm so excited for you to try these products. But the mystery of our existence remains. You know, now we have other theories, super string theory, black holes, multiverses, quantum mechanics to explain existences, but all of them have problems. Okay, We have no idea at the moment why there is existence. If there was a Big Bang, why did it happen? Why did it happen when it happened? We can't answer the question what existed before the Big Bang. And there are other things, you know, like cosmic inflation, Planck time, the cosmological constant, big loopholes in all these theories, which we think one day we'll come to understand. But the loopholes are huge, even though science works. Science can help us create technology like this microphone or this watch or the internet. But science cannot explain the simplest thing of our existence, experience. So right now I'm speaking to you. People somewhere probably are watching this and hearing this. All that's happening is an electrical current is going through their brain, through their eyes or through their ears. And they're experiencing sound, they're seeing colors, they're having thoughts, they're having feelings, they're having emotions. And we have no idea how this happens. Because if you go in the brain, there's no experience. You know, even we say, the if some, if I ask you, where, is, where are you hearing this? You probably point here or here. Mm-hmm. Where are you seeing? You'd probably point here. But there's no image of me here. 
and there's no sound of me here, and there's no sound in the brain. So this is called the hard problem of consciousness. We cannot explain how electricity, which is another human construct, just like Wall Street, or money, or latitude, electricity is an experience before we call it electricity. We don't know how electricity conjures up this world, or thoughts, or feelings, or emotions, or ideas, or imagination, or instinct, or insight or intuition or creativity. So this is called the hard problem of consciousness. And people are still struggling with this. That's the biggest mystery in the world. How do we experience anything? Anything. We cannot explain the source of experience. Number one. Number two, we do not know what the universe is made of because the visible universe, which is two trillion galaxies, 706 trillion stars, uncountable trillions of probably habitable planets, 60 billion habitable planets just in the Milky Way galaxy, according to current astrobiology, all of that, planet Earth is not even a grain of sand in all the beaches of the world. Two trillion galaxies. Imagine each galaxy with a hundred billion stars. It just is overwhelmingly complex, and there's no explanation. Not even for that. The human brain has only evolved the way we know, 40,000 years, stories. And here we are in a speck of dust in the junkyard of infinity, thinking we are smart enough to solve this mystery. So what we call God is the mystery of our existence. It's our highest instinct to understand what's happening, what's reality, and where is experience. Now, there's a whole school of thought, and I subscribe to that, that whatever you can perceive, whatever you can perceive, this chair, your body, this microphone, Whatever you can see, whatever you can perceive, whatever you can think about, whatever you can imagine, whatever you can conceptualize is not real. If you can think about it, if you can imagine it, if you can touch it, taste it, smell it, see it, feel it, perceive it, it's not real. What is real is the source of that experience. And that source is what we call consciousness, for lack of a better word, because without consciousness, there's no experience. So if you want to define what consciousness is, it's the source of all experience. We can't find it. And the reason we can't find it is it's invisible. And the reason it's invisible has no form. And if it has no form, then it has no border, it must be infinite. It has no shape, it has no color, it has no sound. It is irreducible, it is incomprehensible, and yet without that, there would be no experience. So what I was saying in that video is, ultimately, there is only the source of experience, and if you want to go with God, then that's all there is. Everything else is an illusion. Everything else is an illusion. I comprehended it so much more <laughs> right now. I think the third time's a charm for me. But one thing that really like hooked it all at the end was the clarity around you really breaking down that you believe God didn't create the universe, but does God exist? I think the best definition of God is the source of experience. And because we have experience, then that's all that exists. 
Everything else is a projection of that. Just like, let's say you're watching a program on television and seeing all these people running around, singing songs, listening to music. And you have, these days, you have Netflix or you have DirecTV. You have access to, let's say, infinite programs. What doesn't change in the whole thing is the screen. The screen is the only permanent reality. The programs are modulations of the screen, and there are electrons and photons in the screen appearing as people and music running around, having love affairs, you know, killing each other, all that. That's the show, but the show wouldn't happen if there was no screen. The screen is the only common factor. Without the screen, no show. No music, no sound, no people, no drama, no love, nothing. No killing, no affairs, nothing. No birth, no death. So the screen is the non-changing factor. Now think of a screen which is infinite, and you can't see it because it's invisible, but it's modulating itself in the way the screen is modulating itself as the movie of infinite movies. So there are infinite movies going on. You have your own movie going on right now. I'm this person, I'm Caucasian, I live in New York. That's your story. And around that story, you have built a whole universe. And that story is entangled with everybody else's stories. So we are all these fictional characters in a collective dreamscape. And the source of all that is invisible. And that we could call God, if you want. The non-changing factor in every changing experience. We usually call it I. I was a baby, I was a teenager, I was eight years old, I was emotionally a different person. I had a different body, different mind, different emotions. But who's the I that's saying that? That doesn't change. That sense of self, I, doesn't change. Even as I imagine my childhood, that person is gone. The body is no longer exists, the mind no longer exists, the personality no longer exists. Unless, of course, you're running for office in the United States. Then you have a older body, but still that mm -hmm. personality. So that happens occasionally in America. It's a qualification to run for politics. But everything is changing mind, body, personality, the sense of I doesn't change. That sense of self, which does not change in the midst of change, is eternal. Otherwise, it would be changing. You know, it's like the screen in which the show is happening, except this screen is invisible and the show that we are seeing is three-dimensional in the theater of what we call space-time and causality. And the source is maybe a holographic singularity that is projecting not just the universe, but infinite universes. Now, that seems like a much grander God than a dead white male. I connect deeply with what you're saying. And I've always questioned things myself. I think many of us have. I was so curious after you released that video, just 
I really am not someone who lives in comments because I think it can just suck you into a vortex and take you down a road that I don't know about you. I don't want to go. But I was curious. Mm. And reading the comments on the video, they were all positive. I was very, I didn't know. I didn't have an expectation. I I think the people who watch those videos, they're already kind of. Evolved humans. Yeah. They're not running for election. They are not. Mm. How would you guide someone to change their story? You can't. You can't. You know, your story goes back to your childhood. It goes back to your parents' stories. It goes back to your culture. It goes back to your religion. It goes back to your ancestors. It goes back to intergenerational stories. It's going to be going for 40,000 years. So you don't, your stories is, that's what in Eastern wisdom traditions, the story is called karma. Karma Mm -hmm. is a prison and it's unfathomable the mystery of karma you the whole goal of karma is to wake up and say it's just a story and once you realize that then you don't identify with the story i don't identify with the story that i'm a person because there's no such thing there's a person the person you say i'm a person which one fertilized egg embryo zygote teenager all the way to dusty death So which person are you? There's no such thing. The person is a process, just like a whirlpool is a process in a river, but the whirlpool is the river. The rainbow is the river. The cloud is the river. The puddle Mm. is the river. The stream is the river, and the river is the ocean. We make multiple things out of it but the essence is water so the essence of existence is consciousness and that's all there is because without that no experience I was introduced to Ritual when I was pregnant. I took their prenatal vitamin throughout both of my pregnancies and beyond while I was postnatal. And now I am currently taking their Essential for Women, which I love. And I love this brand because Ritual knows it's basically impossible to get all of the nutrients that you need from your diet 100% of the time. So they made a multivitamin that helps you focus on what's important. This is a clinically backed multivitamin for women with high quality and traceable key ingredients in clean bioavailable forms. Their capsule has this delayed release, which is designed to help make it more gentle on an empty stomach, which I love because I usually would never take vitamins on an empty stomach, but this one does not bother me at all. And I feel that It supports my energy throughout the day. I have an amazing discount for you to try Ritual for yourself. You can visit ritual.com slash move with heart and take 40% off your first month of Ritual that will automatically be applied at checkout. How can someone rewire their brain? Again, I don't like the terminology because there's no wiring in the brain. Mm -hmm. These are, again, modern concepts Mm -hmm. that are convenient to visualize, but there's no wiring in the brain. The neurons and the synaptic connections which change with every experience. So right now, 
I'm talking to you, this part of your brain is going on and off. Mm-hmm. And genes are going on and off. And there's electrochemistry. There's no wire. There's no electrical wire, even though there are synapses across which ions like sodium and potassium are being exchanged. So there's some kind of electrical current across a nerve, but it's not wiring in the sense of this wire. Mm-hmm. This wire is permanent. Those wires are change from second to second depending on the experience. So there's a phenomenon though called long-term heterosynaptic potentiation, which is use dependent. So if you have the same habits every day, then you reinforce the same synaptic connections. And how do you change that? You break a habit. That's where I was going with it. Habit is karma. For someone who's like living in that world of just limited beliefs. You have to step into the unknown at every moment of your life, or at least have the attitude that the only thing that exists is the unknown. The known has already happened. It doesn't exist. So we are prisoners of the known, and we are afraid of the unknown. The unknown is a field of infinite creativity, infinite possibilities. I think we could call unknown God. That would be good. So if you want to surrender to mystery and welcome the unknown, then you're surrendering to the divinity of existence. I feel like some people don't even know how. Yes, they, <laughs> like, they're not thinking they? about it. You know, if you're if you're born in a gutter in Bangladesh, all you want is your next meal. Mm-hmm. If you are in a migrant from Mexico, all you want is to cross the border. On and on, people are too busy trying to eke out an existence rather than wondering about the mystery of existence. And yet, if you see a baby, they're totally full of wonder and curiosity and joy for no reason. Babies don't need a reason to be happy. They're happy, okay? It's only adults that just say, oh, you have to do this to be happy. You have to work eight hours a day. You have to discipline, hard work, exacting plans, last refuge of the failure. In my opinion, that's perfect prescription for an unhappy life. The most Playful life is the only joyful life. And you can't have playfulness if you're attached to the unknown. Or if you're attached to the known, past, happened, over, been there, done that. Or the future and what's going on. Or the future because you don't know what the future is. See, there are five big illusions that imprison us. The first illusion is predictability. Yeah, the other day I was going from England to Ireland, one hour trip. It took me 36 hours to get there. <laughs> Weather changed, plane changed, this got canceled, that got canceled. I still made my flight. But, you know, you cannot predict anything. It's the biggest illusion. Even the weather, you can predict possibilities. Uh, You can predict traffic jams, but you don't know how bad or when or whatever. So that's the first illusion, predictability. The second illusion is control. You can't control anything. And yet everybody's trying to control not only their lives, everybody else's lives. The third illusion is time. Mm -hmm. 
we created this notion that time and now we are running out of it. You know, say, I'm running out of time. There's no such thing. And if you have that internal dialogue, I'm running out of time, then time speeds up for you. Your heart rate goes up, your blood pressure goes up, you have jittery platelets, you drop dead of a heart attack, you run out of time. So that's third illusion. The fourth illusion is identity. There's no such thing. Which identity? You give yourself an identity, you put it on LinkedIn, and everybody believes that's who you are. It's just a name with a bunch of experiences. And the fifth illusion is matter. Anything you see, this, is not real. It's proportionately as void as intergalactic space. If you could see this as it really is, see a huge emptiness, a few scattered dots, a few scattered spots, some pixels, appearing as this table. And you're a bunch of pixels, this is a bunch of pixels. The whole universe is that. Five illusions that we hold on to, and the result is conflict, marital problems, divorce, dysfunctional children, drug abuse, war, terrorism, climate change, extinction of species, racism, bigotry, hatred, prejudice. Why? Because we're bound by illusions instead of being playful. It's so true. There's a phrase in Vedanta, every child that is born is proof that God has not yet given up on human beings. We've forgotten to be playful. Mm. Animals play. I mean, if you see mammals, rabbits, and dogs, and cats, and giraffes, and goats, and you go to the safari, everybody's playing, except when they're hungry. Then they eat each other up, and then they're playing again. Mm. How do you play? I don't take anything seriously. You don't? No. So how did you handle the day that your travel should have been an hour, and it was 36 hours? I wrote a book, actually. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> yeah, I wrote a book. Uh, I mean, I wrote the outline of a book. Wow. People were fighting, they were oh, screaming, yeah. they were oh, yeah. as if this poor girl at the counter was responsible for the weather, you know. But people were going nuts. And uh, it was, it's actually so, so interesting how insane we are, not in touch with reality. I know. That's why I love this work so much because it helps you see things differently, shift your perspective. The one thing that you said, though, that I definitely would love you to expand on is because I believed that I could be in control of, of myself, of how I show up. If you let go of control, everything self-regulates itself. The highest freedom is in what is called choiceless awareness. So extreme control or attempt to control is called addiction. You have to have this thing without this whatever it is, this fix, whether it's a relationship or this food or this sex or whatever, this business outcome, mm -hmm. you won't survive. That's addiction. That's the prison of karma. A little better than that is attachment. You know, you'll survive, but you'll suffer anyway. Okay, because if you don't get what you want, you'll suffer. At least that's, you think that. Superior to attachment is intention. You have the intention, but then you let go. Superior to that is subtle intention, which is a yogic practice for manifestation. When you manifest through intention alone, but not from the level of the mind, from the level of the spirit, through mm -hmm. synchronicity. But the highest intelligence, even higher than that, is choiceless awareness. 
Choiceless awareness. Choiceless awareness. awareness. Then the whole universe is evolving through you. And all you're doing is playing. Do less and accomplish more if you read the seven spiritual laws. But even that's not enough. Do nothing and accomplish everything. Because you'll allow the universe to flow through you. I'm working on this. No resistance, no regrets, no anticipation. No resistance to now. All of our problems are resistance to now. Mm. And now is the only moment you can't escape. You can't get out of now. <laughs> Try. <laughs> the only way you can get out now is in imagination. So you imagine the past, which doesn't exist. You imagine the future, which doesn't exist. And then you create the notion of time when, in fact, there is only now. And if you're in the now, you probably shouldn't even age. You know, biologically, I don't know how young. Chronologically, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Even aging is the metabolism of time. So aging is the metabolism of an illusion. And so is death. They're all based on false constructs. Can you explain? If you made something up, then you fear it's death. If you understand that what we call the body-mind and the world are entangled experiences happening now, let me try to give you an example. Maybe that'll work. A whirlpool. And the whirlpool is always now, right? But maybe it's changing its patterns. But those patterns are also changing now. Okay, so one moment it looks a little bit like this, another moment it looks a little like this. The sunlight comes, you see colors in it, you see all kinds of things, all kind of shifts in perception of the same whirlpool, which is always now. And it was always the water. Okay, so you take that water and you make, a glacier out of it, or you make a rainbow out of it, or you puddle out of it, still water. So in this example, the water is neither born nor it dies. Only the patterns of the whirlpool come and go instantly, instantly, like your breath. You know, it arises, the dead, then it's gone. So last breath died, new breath was born. Last thought died, new thought was born. Thus, perception died. When I look that way, I look here, that's gone. This has appeared. Now that appears. So every moment, birth and death are happening. From the ultra-microscopic to the Big Bang, singularity, big bounce, whatever. But it's all happening now. So the whole thing is made up. Birth, death, it's a cosmic dream. That's all it is. Being able to really be with like what's in front of me and to savor these moments, I will say, I know you have said that peace is the one thing that makes joy and your health a sustainable way of living. Yeah, peace, joy, being aware in the timeless now, being one with all that exists, all mean the same thing, yeah. Enlightenment going beyond the conditioned mind because everybody's conditioned. And so when two people argue, it's 40,000 years of conditioning arguing with 40,000 years of conditioning. And then the ultimate of that is war, drop a bomb. Mm. Insane. 
So how would you guide people to tap more into their peace? Learn to be quiet and do nothing. Even spiritual practice sometimes becomes an occupation. And if it becomes an occupation for you, then you're not free. Oh. You know, you're occupied. Mean. Right. So where's the freedom? But if you are in choiceless awareness, you're free. Then you're in meditation mode all the time. And you've mentioned too that deep listening. Yeah, listening from just not the mind, but the heart, the body, the senses. Yeah. I feel like every time I'm consuming anything that you've shared, whether it's a YouTube video or on your Instagram or but you in know, a book. I just do it because it's fun. I'm not doing it to convince you. Right. No, but it, I think it just it makes me even being here with you now, it's opening my eyes even more to like you can do all this work. You can like I feel almost to the point where I'm I think I need to just like let go. Yes. Letting go, even of spiritual discipline. Anything that's discipline is not natural. Playful, yes. It's it's making me like realize a lot of the way I've been feeling too. Is like I've been gripping yeah. like too tightly, clinging, clinging. Doesn't work. It doesn't work. No. No. How do you relate to social media or not? <laughs> you know, I over the years. Don't see movies. I did see the one that's out right now um, on the atomic bomb because I was very interested in mm -hmm. how you could be brilliant in one field and totally dysfunctional. Mm -hmm. All these guys who created the bomb, totally dysfunctional people and yet brilliant. So I was curious, uh, Oppenheimer. So I went to see the movie. But maybe I see one movie every five, ten years. I happen to catch the news because my wife is nuts about it. So she's always watching the <laughs> news. So I happen to get it in sick. But I'm not interested in any of what people are saying or, you know, it's so banal and trivial. It's not interesting to me. But I do watch other stuff. You know, I watch uh, some science stuff and listen to music. And I use social media only one video every day. I do. After I finish my yoga, I do a video of just what is I'm thinking about. But otherwise, the rest of the day, I'm not engaged in social media. No scrolling? No. 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 I didn't think so. Yeah. I can tell too with the videos that it's so in the flow. It doesn't feel planned. It, it yeah. feels like it was just very in the moment. Yeah. Well, for anyone out there who is feeling empty, alone, sad, anxious, and not knowing where to turn. Well, our foundation has a website. You should check it out. It's called neveralone.love, www. And people engage with each other, support each other, and they don't feel lonely then. It's such an honor to have you. Thank I'm, you. I'm so grateful for your time. Thank and you. Thank you for that. I manifested you here. Okay. So thank you. Thank you. 
Who's the eye that manifested? But, oh okay. gosh, I'm going to okay. go even deeper into okay. everything. <laughs> I need to listen to this one a few times. Okay, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I hope you enjoyed that episode. We have a special offer for our Move With Heart listeners. When you join MWH as a new member, you will receive an entire month that's 30 days for free. And this is in addition to our seven-day free trial. All you have to do is head to melissawoodhelp.com and use code MOVEWITHHEART. At MWH, we believe this practice is not just about building this body you desire. This work is about building a better, stronger relationship with yourself. And that is why we offer everything from movement, meditation, and nutrition to help you not only look, but most importantly, feel your best. Follow me on Instagram at Melissa Wood Tepperberg and MWH at Melissa Wood Health. Tune in for an all new episode next week. And I cannot wait to see you all on the mat. <laughs>